Hi, I'm Pastor Corey, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that path. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. This morning's scripture comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 7, verses 13 through 29. Hear now the word of the Lord. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction, and there are many who take it. For the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorns or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did not we prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Go away from me. You have behaved lawlessly. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell And the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall." Now when Jesus had finished saying these words, the crowds were astonished at his teachings, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as their scribes. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning, church. I'm Adam Seat, lead pastor here at Orange, and I thank you for being a part of this time of worship, whether you're worshiping here in person or those that are joining us online. Let's go to God in prayer. Lord God Almighty, we give thanks for this opportunity we have to draw close to you once again. We pray that in this time that we share together, as we have heard your word read and now to hear it proclaimed, we pray that it might be something that draws us closer to you once again, reminding us that it is in you upon which we build our firm foundation. So, Lord, speak to us, for your children are listening. By the power of your Holy Spirit, transform the words that proceed from my mouth, and as they fall upon our ears and penetrate our hearts, may they be changed into the word of God that we need to hear today, as individuals and collectively as one body. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit, and all of God's people said, Amen. 
It's hard to believe that we only have a few more weeks of this summer series called Stones of Remembrance. And I have really enjoyed the opportunity we've had to go through the scriptures, to look at different times that stones or rocks have been referenced. And we've had the opportunity last week, just we talked about removing the stones from the vineyard so that the good vine could grow and produce good fruit. And a few weeks ago, we had a chance to talk about David and Goliath. We've talked about raising an Ebenezer. A stone of help, uh, being reminded of how God is always faithful. And it's funny to me, it's kind of like whenever you buy a new car, you suddenly see that particular car all over the highway. Well, I feel like everywhere I look, I'm seeing these stones, these reminders. And this summer, that's been a good thing, a good reminder of how God is always faithful. How God is always with us. And today, we are continuing as we look upon this very familiar passage of Scripture that is the foundation upon which we build our lives. Matthew 5 through 7 is truly what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. And I can't just, I can't imagine Jesus just coming up with this. We have no record of him even having any notes in front of him as he delivers this incredible teaching. Now, within the Sermon on the Mount, there is no uh, way of salvation, but it is it's a message about how to live righteously, how to live in accordance to the law, how to live faithfully. And I can just picture it. There, the crowd is gathered by the waters. Jesus goes up on the hillside and he sits down and the crowd have gathered around and Jesus sits down and he begins to teach. Read through Matthew 5 through 7 uh, once again to just be reminded of the many ways that he was giving them this foundation for how to live a life righteously. But you know, there is a difference between hearing and doing. There's a tremendous difference between hearing what is right and doing what is right. I'm reminded of an old Saturday Night Live skit, Hans and Franz, hear me now and believe me later, they would say. Hearing something and doing it are two completely different things. I learned that when I was in college, and I roomed with one of my friends that I had experienced time growing up together as we lived in Wilmington. And then after 10th grade, my family had moved from Wilmington to Raleigh, but John and I stayed close. And we decided, when we both decided to go to Campbell University for undergrad, we figured we would room together, which was probably the first mistake. But John and I had a lot of fun in college. We were great college students, just not the student. Maybe not as great of students. But John and I experienced life together in many ways. And one night I had a, uh, was meeting someone in Raleigh and I was running late. And so I was driving my 1976 Datsun 280Z. Oh, it was a beautiful car that was also a fast car. And I was making my way to Raleigh on some of those country roads, weaving around and hitting one curve after the next. And I was going much too fast spun out, lost control of the car, and got into a wreck. Fortunately, someone witnessed it. They saw what had happened, and they got me, and they took me into the town of Anger, North Carolina, so I could call and try to get some help. That was before the days of cell phones, obviously. And so I called my roommate, John, and I told him where I was, and I'm sitting outside of this gas station in Anger, and waiting and waiting and waiting, 
and thinking, has he forgotten where I am? He should have been here by now. Before long, a law enforcement officer pulls up, gets out of the car, sees me and says, what's your name, boy? I told him, Adam Seat. He said, get in the car, boy. I got in the car and he gets on the radio and he says, I've got the suspect. I'm bringing him to the scene of the accident. Suspect. And I was thinking, oh no, I left the scene of the accident and I thought I was in for some kind of trouble. But what big deal was it? I just spun my car into the ditch. I just needed some help to get it out. It wasn't that big of a deal until we got out to where my car was in the ditch. And John's car was in the middle of the road having flipped over. He got into a wreck on the exact same curve that I got into. They thought we were drag racing, so they wanted to arrest us. Fortunately, we were able to get out of those charges. But John and I got into all kinds of things. We knew what the right things to do were. We just didn't always do it. We heard the right things to do. We just didn't always do it. Some of you might have had some experience like that. And it was a few months later after that accident that John and I had a bright idea. We were going to go home for, to his home in Wilmington one weekend. And I-40 was still under construction. You know, there was a time before I-40 was fully complete. But we had heard rumors that they just hadn't opened it up yet, that it was all complete. And so we wanted to make the most of our weekend, and so we decided, you know what, we're going to try it. We're going to see if we can make it from Campbell to all the way to Wilmington on I-40. And it was a glorious thing at first. Now, yes, people had told us, no, don't do it. You, don't, you need to go the, the back roads. You don't need to try that. It's not complete yet. But we thought we knew better. We had heard, but we didn't do so we got out, and it was a glorious thing. No traffic anywhere around, just us cruising down the highway until we, we found that we could not go any further for the bridge that we were, one of the bridges had not yet been completed. We had gone 30 to 40 miles down the road and had to backtrack and then still make our way. We had heard. We just didn't do Life, for a lot of us, sometimes we hear these things, we just don't always do. And Jesus, on this mountainside, is giving this incredible message about what it's like to live a righteous life, a life according, according to the scriptures, a life built on the firm foundation of God. And he gives us this image at the close of this sermon. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them, will be like a wise man who builds a house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. Those that hear his words and then do his words, it's as if they built their house, their life, on a firm foundation. But then he also speaks to younger me, and still, frankly, me, when he says, anyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the wind blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. So many times I find myself, I hear it, I know it, I don't always do it. And when we don't always do it, 
The storms are going to come. Will we be sustained? Will, be able, will we be able to remain standing when all is washed away? See, I'm reminded that we do come to Scripture and we come to worship and we come to prayer. We come to all of these things to be reminded of that faithfulness of God, that God that is always there, that firm foundation upon which we build our lives. And if we build our life upon anything else, it just washes away. We come to be reminded that God is who God says God is. That God is that firm foundation, that hope, that strength, that need, uh, that help in our time of need. God is who God says God is. He is who he says he is. That, that expression, he is who he says he is, is one that means something to me because of a friend of mine named Ken. I first got to know Ken when all of his life had been washed away. Ken, through addiction, had lost everything. Ken lost his relationship with his wife, his children. He lost his home. And through acts of crime that would ultimately lead to him serving time incarcerated, Ken had lost it all. The day I met Ken, he was as broken of an individual as I've ever seen. But we, Ken had heard that something about the church he had never had faith. He had never had hope in faith. But when he had lost it all, Ken came to the church. And it was there that me and some others were able to befriend him and begin to, to pour in to Ken God's love. Ken started participating in an adult Sunday school class. Ken started attending and being a part of worship every Sunday. Ken began getting help to help battle his addiction. And Ken's life was truly being transformed. However, in the midst of all this rebuilding, Ken still had a trial that was coming up. And so on the day that the trial began, myself and a couple other of Ken's friends, we went to court with him. I happened to know the judge that was sitting uh, over his case. And the judge saw us sitting behind Ken and his attorney. The judge at one point actually called for a recess and invited, uh, asked for us to meet him out in the hall because he wanted to know what in the world we were doing with somebody like Ken. And we told him, well, Ken is our brother in Christ. And we sat through the remainder of the trial. And ultimately, Ken knew that Ken had committed those crimes. And so Ken was sentenced to serve time and incarceration. And during the time before Ken went off, we prayed over Ken. We prayed that, that God would use Ken to speak to those people that were also going to be incarcerated with him. That God would somehow use Ken to help somebody else come to know who Jesus was. While Ken was incarcerated, we, we sent him correspondence. The children in the church made drawings, and we mailed them to him, and Ken decorated his bunk. And about once a week, I would have a chance to talk with Ken and, and, or receive an email, and Ken would say people would come to his bunk, and they'd see all these drawings, and they'd ask him, who did these for you? And he'd tell them, my family, my church. This was all something that was new to Ken. But Ken had begun to develop this understanding of who God truly is. And through Ken, other people would come to him for, with prayer concerns and prayer needs, and Ken would have a chance to pray with them. Again, this was some, something completely foreign to him. But God was helping Ken build 
a new foundation. God was helping Ken find hope when everything else gets washed away. God can help restore, rebuild. Remember the day that Ken got out of prison? I was taking him to the store because we had to restock up the refrigerator and get other needs, other things that he would need after having been away. And as Ken and I were in the car, I asked Ken, I said, Ken, we know Romans 8, 28, the scripture verse that says, for the Lord works all things according to the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Are you at a point, Ken, that you can see how God worked good through this experience, through this time of incarceration, through this time of having been removed from everyone else and then surrounded in that dark, dark place. Are you at a point you can see that yet? Ken thought about it for just a moment. And I'll never forget, he said, through it all, I learned he is who he says he is. God is who God says he is. And Ken talked about rebuilding this life on that firm foundation. That it wasn't just something he was hearing. It was something that he was doing. And Ken was able to give witness to the ways that God used him while he was behind those walls. How God was able to redeem that which Ken had endured. That which he had been through. And God was building a new foundation. I give thanks for Ken's life that has now been made complete as he's joined in the great heavenly chorus. But it's a life that found a firm foundation. He had built a life on sand. But God gave him a firm foundation to rebuild. For you, the storms are still coming. Where have we built our lives? Is it on that which can just wash away? Or is it on that solid rock upon which we stand? Today, I invite you, let us be hearers and doers. Let us live a life upon that firm foundation. Let us pray. Lord God Almighty, you are who you say you are. You are the one that looks upon us and call us your children. You are the one that looks upon us and call us beloved. Lord, there is nothing that could ever separate us from your love. And you are our hope. You are our help. You are our strength. You are our firm foundation. Lord, may we find ourselves today continuing to build upon that firm, solid rock foundation. For any time we place our hope in anything else, the storms will come and wash it all away. But today, we know we stand on solid ground. Today, we know we stand in your hope, in your love. We pray these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.